Hi, you're listening to Becoming Unapologetically Me, where you will hear all about gaining confidence through mindset, energy, and structures, and how to use that to live life and business truly on our terms. We're going to meet some amazing guests on this journey who will share their stories candidly with us. We're delving into the often hidden and taboo subjects of trauma, abuse, illness, grief, and more, but making sure to always focus on how to transform these experiences into personal growth and expansion. Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Becoming Unapologetically Me. It's so, so wonderful sharing this journey with you. So thank you for coming back again for, um, oh, I think we're on week seven now. So it's lovely to be sharing this journey, hearing everything back from you as well about how you're finding this experience of us all getting to know each other. And yeah, I'm really, really honored that you are here and sharing this journey again today. So thank you so much. I want to talk today about codependency and burnout and overwhelm. And then related to that, about learning to love yourself. When I was thinking about this subject and to talk about this today, I was remembering back to my school days and my mother and friends at school all saying, oh, you must uh, learn to love yourself before anyone else can love you. And I remember hearing it and, you know, hearing it at a conscious level and thinking, oh, okay, okay, right. Yep, got that. But then thinking about it and feeling really, really conflicted about that, in fact, because My whole life I've been brought up that you shouldn't be arrogant or cocky and children should be seen and not heard. I was really conflicted as to how those two things worked together with not being cocky and arrogant, but at the same time loving yourself. How can you be those two things in the same person and at the same time effectively? But then also, uh, given that I was, (laughs) I had learned from my mother, this um, model of a codependency addiction. So to me, it was really, really important that other people loved me. And so I was like, well, I want them to love me. And so I've got to love myself, but then I mustn't be arrogant and cocky. And there was this huge inner turmoil and inner conflict going on to try and wrap my young brain around what that looked like in a reality, because I certainly couldn't make any logical sense at all. And so I definitely knew that I, I didn't want to be a self-absorbed person. And For me, I thought for many, many years that that's what self-care was. You know, it's something that the self-absorbed would engage in. And I definitely don't believe that now. And we're going to to talk about that as we we go through today's podcast episode. But um, it was very, very interesting that that was the the starting point or the context, if you like, that I was approaching self-care with and also approaching love and acceptance from other people and all those things through that lens of never wanting to be arrogant and feeling that there was some kind of conflict between those two things. So what that ended up looking like for me was only knowing one way to work. And 
sure the part of it is work ethic, but I actually didn't know how to say no to work. So I would work and work and work and work. And then when I'd finished, I'd do a little bit more just for fun. So, you know, I found myself doing as many people do in their early part of their career, don't get me wrong, but I found myself doing really excessive hours. And actually, I won't even say it was the point that I realized that this was damaging, but when I reflected on it, I then in 2009 set up my own business. And I was again working excessively. And in 2011, in November, I was having uh, my daughter. And I went into labor, I think it was a Thursday, about 9 p.m. And I didn't tell my husband, or my husband of the time, I didn't tell him that I'd gone into labor even. And my reason for not telling him, as far as he was concerned when he asked the next morning, was that I wanted to make sure that he got some sleep because I was aware that, you know, this was going to could well be a, a long night. There was no point in both of us being tired. But actually, there was a bit more to it than that. Yeah, that, that was true. It, is, it was perfectly um, plausible and truthful to say that. But actually, there was a bit more to it than that. I wanted to do some work. And I thought if he knew I was in labor, he would probably have given me a hard time about that. Quite rightly so. And so I didn't tell him. He went off to bed. I said, oh, I'm just going to finish a few things up and then I'll be heading to bed as well. And I started through my contractions, doing some marketing, paying the staff, working out rotors, fiddling and faddling with, I mean, yeah, of course, paying staff was important, but it would have been done anyway. There was nothing that I was doing. The world was going to stop turning as a result of me not doing it. So I would literally grab onto the side of my desk as a contraction came, he threw it and get to the other side and then keep working. And I did this until about 4am when I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't go any longer. The contractions were coming thick and fast and I had to wake my husband up to take us to hospital. I, th I was like patting myself on the back going, yeah, Helen, go you, you know, you're doing an amazing job. Look at you working despite all of these things going on. But actually this wasn't good. It was coming from a really unhealthy need for recognition and approval. This was the culmination, actually not the end of, but it was a real highlight to me looking back on it of the impact of 18 hour days, seven days a week and having no space or time to fill up any of my other cups. And this resulted in me totally and utterly burning out. There is no other word for it. I lived in a state of numbness, exhausted all the time, but still not sleeping, just running what felt like a hamster wheel, you know, that groundhog day. You just feel like you're going through the same motions every single day and nothing's changing. And mood swings that I was experiencing, I never had mood swings my whole life. It's not someone, something that I associate with at all. And it's not something that I have now either. So this was a really strange side to me that I saw. And I just thought, you know, as being a mom of two young children, and I'm sure, you know, there's an element of that, but I was totally and utterly burnt out. 
And the reason I'm sharing this is because I have an amazing, amazing guest coming in next week called Rebecca Ann. And she literally knows everything there is to know from personal experience and more, but about burnout. And she's also got some amazing ideas to help prevent it. So I really wish I'd known Rebecca back in, well, it was actually after 2011, but, you know, around that time. But you seriously don't want to miss next week. It's going to be amazing because this can creep up and bite all of us if we're not really, really careful. You think it's not going to affect you, but then suddenly you get into a groove and you add one thing and you add another thing. And before you know it, you're heading down a slippery slope. So yeah, I would love for you to join us next week for that conversation because it's so, so important. So just going back to sort of where this all came from with me, you know, I'm not a a needy person at all. I definitely wouldn't describe myself as that. But we all have parts of us that show up. And again, Rebecca Ann really talks in the sense of parts. And it's something that I've learned a lot about um, over the last few years. But these parts are what we call firefighters, or I often refer to them as like our bodyguards, our guardians. And this is all in the context of internal family systems. So these firefighters, they show up to basically prevent us from having to feel the burden of really painful memories. And so those could be memories from throughout your childhood where you formed a really deep core belief about yourself that could be something like, I'm not good enough, or I'm unlovable, I'm not important, I'm not worthy, anything like that, you know, I'm not safe, all these sorts of deep-held core beliefs about ourselves, which are really painful places to go to emotionally. So these firefighters show up to prevent us from having to go there. So if I just use my example about this work, 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 and never stopping, This was really around me feeling less than in some way as a woman and feeling like I was not good enough, that I had to prove myself. And so the harder I worked, the more I could distract myself from having to feel that or from needing to feel that because I was proving that I was not that thing, therefore, by working, working, working all the time. So this distraction and really going out of my way to seek out praise and success. That for me was a way of soothing that core wound of feeling like I wasn't enough in some shape or form. Obviously, I wasn't doing this at a conscious level. This is all happening driven by the subconscious because I wasn't walking around every day going, oh, I'm not good enough at what I do or, you know, because I'm a woman or because I'm this or because I'm that, you know, I've got to prove myself definitely not happening at a conscious level 100%. But as we know, if you've been listening to some of the previous episodes of my uh, journey so far, our conscious mind has very little to do with how our reality creates on a a day-to-day basis. That's 90% driven by our subconscious. So that's where that belief was sitting and where that was held and how it was creating this, what was my reality back then, but certainly isn't now. So when I started to look at this, I started to bring awareness to it and shine a light on it. It was like this huge 
penny drop moment, like, oh, so much makes sense now. And it makes perfect sense why I attracted certain people into my life, you know, like Velcro or yin to yang, you know, that's a whole different conversation. But as a codependent person, you naturally attract a certain type of person. But as I went into my recovery from my addiction to codependency and other behaviors, if we're, we're honest, you know, as well as my trauma recovery, one of the first things that I learned was that self-care was going to be my cornerstone to my recovery. And actually, totally different to what my long-held belief was that actually this was going to make me arrogant and self-absorbed and all the things that I was trying not to be for, you know, very consciously trying not to be. Actually, my self-care was actually being selfless. And self-sacrificing was actually far more selfish than proper self-care. Just want to circle back quickly about me mentioning there about codependency being an addiction, because that's exactly what it is. Some people see it just in the context of a relationship and maybe where a relationship's not gone so well or except something like that. But actually, codependency is an addiction. It's a learned behavior in the same way as any other addiction. and as I mentioned with these parts, it's one of our firefighters that turns up to protect us. So in the same way as any other addiction, we need to go through a process of recovery from that addiction. And for me, that was about the trauma healing. And in fact, that was the way that I've approached all of my addiction recoveries, because addiction rarely comes in one form. It will show up in many different forms. And actually, if you start to heal one way, if you haven't healed the underlying cause of the addiction, it will just pop up in a different form. This is really, really common with people coming out of addiction. And I think I've mentioned in a, a previous episode, or certainly talk about it on my social media a lot, that Gabor Mate, as an example, really talks about addiction being as a, almost like a sticking plaster for something much, much more deep rooted in terms of a trauma or a hurt or a pain. And that's exactly how it presented for me. And codependency was just one of the ways that that showed up. So I did have to go through a process of recovering from that and was absolutely crucial as a huge leap forwards from where I was to learning to love, accept, care for myself, look after myself. And going back to what I was told in, in my childhood and when I was at school, actually learning to love myself first and realizing that that was not synonymous with being arrogant and cocky and self-absorbed and all those things. And actually, I could still remain the person that I am at my core and keep the integrity of my character and love myself as well. So that was revelationary. I think when I realized that self-care was the best form of care, not only for me, but also for other people and particularly my children. You know, my children have always been a huge motivator for me in terms of why I want to show up in the best way possible in the world. And the impact that me looking after myself had on how I showed up as a mother or how I 
continue to show up as a mother, that was kind of a big realization and a big moment for me to go, aha, right, this is worth doing. This is, this is why we do these things. And if this is something that's been a part of your life for a long time, you may be, yes, Helen, get with the party, you know. But I suppose at least I realized eventually and yes, it took me, I don't know, 40 years or whatever of going through life, trying to be everything for everyone else and forgetting that in order to do that, my cup needed to be filled up as well. And so recognizing that I can have far, far more impact on the world and the people around me and I look after myself was actually great because that helped me. And, you know, so often we need the motivation of other people, especially at the beginning of our journeys. We need the motivation of other people to really keep us on the path that we're going on. So, yeah, it was about five years ago that I recognized that this was really important and something that I wanted to look at and to really get serious about. It's also true to say that when I started my self-care journey, shall we call it that, it started as escapism. It's just a different form of escapism and I suppose a slightly more socially acceptable version of the burned out version of me and the not so socially acceptable addictive behaviours that I was showing at that time. So what that might look like was 150 items in my Amazon basket because Online shopping was a, an amazing way to justify it to myself as self-care, but it wasn't. It was just escaping and looking for another way to plug the hole in my soul. And it was still numbing out. Yes, you have that momentary hit of feeling a bit better, just kind of as it happens. But ultimately, feeling worse or at best feeling the same. So this was a, a big realization when I saw that there's far, far more to self-care than candles, massages, spending some money on yourself, which was kind of how I'd interpreted it to start with. And I think where you have a massive industry of self-care, it's worth $450 billion as an industry. And you also have a capitalist society. The shame that sits around self-care becomes almost in itself the challenge of dealing with self-care. So it's almost self-perpetuating and self-fulfilling. I think when I took the time and the space to realize that self-care is not about all the things that are external to us, as the self-care industry would have us believe, but actually the key to self-care is inside of us. And that's when things changed for me. And it went from, a, oh, yeah, this is nice having a massage to actually now I'm creating a life that I don't need to escape from on the regular. So the industry would have us basically do whatever it wants to offer us and to have whatever it wants to offer us packaged up with a nice bow saying self-care on it. But actually, it got me thinking, you know, in business, we think very much about What's the need? What's the problem? And then what solution is the right one to solve that? Whereas I felt, or I do feel, that the self-care industry is like, here's the solution. We don't know what the problem is. It doesn't really matter, but this is the solution anyway. And I thought, that's not how we, that's not how we work in business. That's not how 
um, I've ever worked in business. So why should we start to work that way when we're looking at the most important thing in the world, which is ourselves? And so I started to look at it the other way around and to really delve inside. What is it that needs a solution applying? What is the, the need to really, really dig deep? So not just surface level inside, but going into my soul, going into my, my heart and really feeling into what it was I needed to create in my life in order to feel like my life as a whole is a fulfilled, peaceful, joyful place. And don't get me wrong, this is not easy. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's definitely, definitely worth the journey. And for me, what this has allowed, what this podcast is all about really, is that it's allowed complete and full and safe self-expression. And it's allowed me to create a life that I no longer need to run away from. Yeah, I have a massage. I love candles, but they don't create the life of self-care. They're just a part of something that I enjoy, but they're not the, the crux or the, the spine, if you like, of my self-care. They're just something that I enjoy. And so I don't escape from my life on an emergency basis anymore. I don't need to run away for self-care or anything like that because the self-care is integral to my life. It's integral to who I am. It encompasses all the facets of me. It's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual, and it really has been the catalyst to becoming unapologetically me. I really don't say that lightly. And I am, I am being serious when I say there's been, uh, there's been tears at times because it has been a, an emotional roller coaster. And yes, you get to know all sorts of sides of you, all sorts of parts of you that have remained quite well hidden for quite a long time. And so shining a spotlight on those isn't always comfortable. But I also don't believe that it was meant to be comfortable and the journey of getting to know myself, whilst there's been these, these rocks and these twists and these turns, I would never choose it a different way now because I know me and I love me and I accept me and I honour me and I feel so much stronger as a mother a friend, a partner, uh, anything, you know, in any of the roles that I might play in my life, I feel so much stronger in that place, knowing that it's coming from somewhere where I'm totally, totally in love with who I am. And I'm also very, very grounded and very unarrogant, if that's the right word. I'm definitely not a self-absorbed person. And I'm very true to myself, my character, the integrity with who I am. So recognizing that, going on the journey to that has been beautiful. I look back at that burnt out version of myself from those years ago. And I just think never again, because I know that I'm worth too much to go there. I also know how easy it is to go there. 
which is why it's going to be amazing to have this conversation next week with Rebecca Ann. But yeah, I just want to to share that with you, to offer it to you as something that a journey that's worth going on and to encourage you to look there if you haven't already and to see self-care as more than just a few external factors. It's actually about what's going on inside and what at your heart, your soul, your emotional level you need to support your physical body and not just what someone would have you believe that you need at a physical level. There's much, much more to it than that. So thank you again for sharing today with me. And until I see you next time, keep being wonderful, keep being awesome. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening today. And I hope you found this discussion inspiring, thought-provoking, and motivating. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and any comment you think pertinent. And why not share the love by telling your amazing friends all about it too. Making a high-quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests, and we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact jason at apodcastcompany.com and let's talk.